We're going to start embarking on a journey this morning. Something that God has been working with me on for quite some time. And this week, he was still working. And I have to ask the question, is Lord, why, why me? Why do you want me to do this? Why have you asked me to do this? And you probably can ask that same question. It's for his kingdom. And what's his kingdom for? His kingdom is for all of those who love him. He loves everybody. While I'm talking, you can turn to Luke chapter 19. But he loves everybody. That's why we were created, is so we could have that relationship with God. That relationship that puts us together and we commune with him and we get ministered to by him. We minister by him working through us to one another. But it is a relationship. That's what it is. I remember when I was a little boy, I went to a, a church thing, and I mean, I was little. I mean, I was like probably second grade old. And there was a church in town that had, they played the movie The Exorcist. Does anybody remember that movie? Go ahead and raise your hands. We're in church. It's all right. I remember saw it because I'm going to take off my coat this morning, and I'm going to show you some things. I pray that you come back and love me through it because I'm going to show you some things about God. I can't take your coat off. I have to take mine off. But I saw this movie, and man, it frightened me. My mom wouldn't let me go back because I had nightmares. But it was kind of like a revival time, and they run buses around town and picked up kids, and I was little. And you know, that movie just scared me to death. That movie stays in our minds. And the day that I got saved, Pastor Kenneth LaFon was pre preaching out of the book of Revelation. And he talked about going to hell. Anybody in here want to go to hell? Let me see your hands if you do. Anybody? You want to go to hell? That's pretty good, isn't it? Now I'm going to ask you another question. Do you love Jesus? I'm going to ask you another question. Will you let the love of Jesus that you have for him and he has for you rule you in your life and reign in your life and lead you in your life? You see, that's the question. And don't anybody want to go to hell? You guys just prove that. I think most of you are believers. I can't say that. I get to write a report out every month telling about how many people are believers, how many are filled with the Holy Ghost, how many sanctified but only he knows the hearts of men and women. And I want to show that to you this morning because we're going to start on a journey this morning, a different kind of journey. We want to talk about who Jesus is. You see, we live in a society that has set and told us all the do's and the don'ts, the right and the wrongs. Because most of us know the stuff we got to keep hid. The day that I got saved. I'm going to tell you my story this morning. This is a story none of you know about, but he's been working and peeling back the onion. 
But I want you to be able to see how much Jesus Christ loves you and the relationship that He wants to have with you. You see, the day that I got saved was the day that I came into the church. I didn't want to be here. I can't brought my daughter. You know that story. I wasn't looking for an encounter with Jesus Christ. I could care less about Jesus Christ. Most of the people that has passed by this church this morning, if it were to burn down and be gone, it wouldn't mean anything to them. It would mean something to us, those who have labored and sewn in and done some work and doing the things that we're doing. It would mean something to us, but for the world it wouldn't. We can have the good singing we're going to have next week. Who's that going to bring in? Church people. We can have the Easter egg hunt up on the corner. Who's that going to bring in? That's going to bring people from all over. And then we get the chance to let our light shine. We get to be salt and light. Mainly next Saturday night or two Saturdays from now. We're having revival next week. Who's going to show up? I ain't asking if you are. It's a, it's a, well, yeah, I am asking you. Come. Come out and be with us. We, we need to be revived. Pray for Brother Shaw this week as he's coming to bring a word for us. He said, what do I preach on? I said, whatever God gives you. I'm not God. He knows what this church needs. He knows what every individual needs, and he knows who needs to be here. By the way, it's every one of us. And I'm not going to cast out can't make it. That's between you and Jesus. But if you want to get fed, if you want to have that relationship, that comes back to the question I ask, is will the love of Jesus define who you are and drive who you are? Because that's how much he loves us. Back to my story. I came to church, and I love my wife dearly. But I didn't love her like I was supposed to. And I'm still learning to love her like I'm supposed to. That's the part of the growth process. Now, am I sanctified or not? I should be if I'm, I'm preaching the church of God a prophecy. I'm supposed to have the big three, saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, or I shouldn't be up here. But we get back to that question of what is sanctification, which we just found out got re redefined last year in the thing. And so all these questions have been coming to me all this time because since I met Jesus, I've had some things on my heart and wondering and saying, well, how's God doing this? I found out how God works, you know, A, B, C, and D. This is how he works. You get saved, then you get sanctified, then you get filled with the Holy Ghost, one, two, and three. And then I found out last year that sanctification is a moment that happens, but it's also a lifelong process, meaning you've got to let God continue to work on you. So now I'm at the question, well, then where does the Holy Ghost fit in? Because that other doesn't support this. And this is being taped, by the way. If you need to call the state office, that'd be fine. Because I'm tired of playing church. Amen, brother. So I have these questions and say, Lord, help me to understand. Not just because commentary thus and such, or brother such and such said, no, what does the Bible say? What do you say? You see, the day that I got saved was the day that I was brought out of a place of darkness, a place where I was a social drinker. I was a, a tobacco user. I had been to, not after I got married with Sweetie, but before, 
I had been to some of the most raciest places around Washington, D.C. and Northern Virginia. Now, you can go ahead and be uh, curdled by that, and that's fine. But I want you to know who Jesus Christ is. I want you to know that he can change your life and get you on a different path. I want you to know that there's nothing that you've ever done is so dirty and nasty that he can't come down where we're at and pick us up. Why is that? The question is, why is that? It's called love. It's the love of God. It's the love of Jesus. Jesus was in the Garden of Eden, and he kept asking the question for three hours, if there's any way, let this pass from me. I don't want to do this. But they wouldn't any other way, because if it was, the Father would have said, well, we can do this, and, and that, that'll work too. No, there was one way. And it was his love for the Father, not his duty for the Father. It was his love for the Father that said, all right, I got to do what I got to do. You remember in the movie The Passion, he's in the garden praying, and then that look of determination comes on. I think they portrayed it so well. He gets up and he stomps the snake's head and he goes on about, all right, I got to go do what I got to do. Because that's the only way that you and I could be brought back into a right relationship with God. There was no other way. There's no many ways to God. That is the only way, and it's a relationship. You see, we can go through this life, and we can do the things. We can do the church things. After I got saved, I realized there were certain church things. I'm not stupid. Okay, I went around a lot of bad guys, so I figured out a lot of ways of how to play some games to, to figure out how it's done. And so we can get into the place that we play the games, or we can get into the place that we have the relationship. And I know this may not go over too popular, but I'm promising you and begging you to eat from this cup, eat from this plate that God is going to put before us over the next several weeks, I think. Because we need to have relationship. You see, when I got saved, I started doing my church time. As I could. As work would not allow me, I couldn't come to church. But I started doing my church time. It was the thing to do. I needed to be in church. I needed to learn the Word of God. But also, we have this mindset that we get the list of the to-dos. And then we start doing the to-dos. But do we have relationship? You see, if I've got relationship with Jesus Christ, there's not a brother or sister or a person on the planet Earth that can make me hate them and make me talk bad about them that can make me do anything. Let me say that again. If I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I see men as he sees men. And it can't happen. Now that's good for the whole church to give an amen. If you didn't, that's fine. God's going to work, okay? He's going to be working on you till you die. Get ready for it. Some of the working he's doing sometimes ain't too comfortable. That's just because we don't want to let go, but he wins in the end. Okay? So, we do our dutiful things. Today we're having a meal at the church and we're going, we're raising funds for missions and we're doing our duty 
But the question is, is are we passionate about it? You see, we know the duty to do, but do we have the passion for it? That's the difference in knowing of Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus. That is a big difference. I'm pastoring a church. Am I doing it out of duty or necessity? The pay ain't that great. The sheep do a lot of biting sometimes. But I trust Jesus. And it's my relationship with him for me. I can't speak for you. It keeps me going. And, and this woman knows, man, she's seen the days that I've been like praying and saying, oh, God, why you And then I get, you know, I get grounded again, Brother Ben. You know what I'm talking about? You know, me and you talk a lot, don't we? Those battles happen, my friend. But it's the relationship that, with Jesus that keeps us going. We do the things that we're supposed to do. We dutifully follow. We're faithful attenders, but then again, sometimes we're reluctant sacrificers. You see, we go through the motions, but we don't always want to sacrifice. What is the sacrifice? Well, it could be your money, could be your time, could be your talent. Could be, could be, could be, could be, could be. It could be all these things. So we've done the check off, but have we followed Christ? You see, you got to go back to your mind in the picture. Jesus was in the garden and did what he had to do. He didn't want to. He didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't want to be beaten. Therefore, he was asking his heavenly father. But when he said, no, there's no other way. This is what we got to do. Then Jesus put on his big boy Christian pants, strapped on his sandals and said, let's get to work. Don't, but don't, he wanted to do it for his love for us, but he didn't want to have to go through that. Do you see the, what I'm painting here? I need, you got to understand this before we move on. Does everybody get it? Okay. I think sometimes these things come from our misinterpretations of who God is, what God is all about. Because some people see God as an inspecting God. Am I right on that? My goodness, sometimes we get taught that. We get yelled at when the preacher's talking and veins pop out and sweat flies. I've done it. But we look at God like he is an inspecting God, that he is waiting for us to mess up like he's some drill sergeant that's going to show up, kick open the footlocker, look at your weapon, make sure everything is in order, and we, we come to attention because we don't want to upset this inspecting God. By the way, who loves us? This inspecting God who is just waiting for you to mess up so he can send you to hell. There is such a thing as backsliding, okay? I don't want to take away from this. I want you to get what I'm saying. But we have this inspecting attitude of who God is, and we want to come to attention. We want to, to do these things. We, we start playing and, and, and doing things to please this inspecting God. I spent, I spent 22 years dressing up in a uniform and at 7.45 every morning, it was 6.45 in the last few years, I stood in a line getting inspected by the man who was over me. And if I didn't look right, they sent me home without pay, said clean up and get it right tomorrow. And if it happens again, we're going to fire you. 
and we're going to have this on your book, on your record, so if it happens again, if it's like six months from now or 16 years from now, we don't need you. Come here, sweetie. Could you get this for me? So when I got saved, I started going through the motions of doing all the right kind of things, putting on the uniform, because I was worried about this inspecting God who I had been taught about because he's inspecting me. Thank you. I'm good. Because I'm worried about passing inspection. Can I tell you something? Jesus Christ loves you. When you were a sinner, he still loved you. Before you ever said yes to him, before he ever went to that cross, do you realize he died for you so that you could come back in right relationship with God? He don't need to inspect you. He already knows. He knows the thoughts that's going through your head right now. And if they ain't good, he's going to work with you on that. Is he going to condemn you and throw you out? No, therefore you should not throw me out for what I just did. You ready to move to Timbuktu? We get rid of all those secular and worldly stuff. We can watch the passion of the Christ in our home. We can watch the passion of Christ on Easter in the church. But how dare you went to the movie theater and watched it the day that it came out. Can you help me with that? Do you understand what I'm talking about? I am not trying to be bad with nobody, but do you see how the boxes that we put God in? We can sing the books out of the, the songs out of the books, or we can sing them off the wall, or we can sing them from memory, but the point is, is it right here? It's the relationship, the love relationship that is happening. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So we worried about also a disappointing God. We have the mindset that we're always going to be disappointing Him. And these folks usually just give up and walk away. Or they would just go through the motions when they feel like it. To do and to serve and, and to look out and, and to serve God. They live a dutiful life. Things to do today. Oh, I went to church. Okay. Is that a relationship? I mean, you know, I get up over the morning and feel like I've got to walk to Sweden and say, I love you very much, and then I go on and that's it. Was that a relationship or did I just fill out a to-do list? She knows the difference. Man, do you know what I'm talking about? Let me get an amen from you if you do. She knows the difference. Brother Ben, you ain't married yet. Get a, you need to take notes. But it's the same kind of mindset that we have with God. And when we have that mindset about God that he has about us, that's how we look at one another. And that's where the problem of loving one another comes in. What did he say that the greatest commandment was? Anybody, somebody quote it, Brother Willie. Did everybody hear that? Everything hangs on it. You mess that part up and it all falls apart. That's the one thing you got to say, well, this is how we got to do it. But the rest of it, it really doesn't matter that much. 
because we are looking at God and we're seeing him as somebody who he is not. We see him as a disappointing God. We see him sometimes as an impersonal God. Always trying to please God. Having the relationship. Do you understand? The Bible is given to us so we can stay out of trouble. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That is for me to look at me and God's working with me so that he can say, here's something you need to love me a little. You've got to have a little more here. There's got to be some more here. And that is part of our growth. That is a part of our sanctification. So he's sowing into us. But when we have the wrong ideas about God, then we have the wrong ideas about people. They come walking in the door. They don't look right, smell right. Well, we go shake our hands dutifully. Oh, it's so good to see you here this morning. Oh, God bless you. And we get the face. We don't want to have anything to do with them. We start watching them to see if they measure up. To see if they measure up. Who watched me to see if I measured up that morning? Nobody had to call for it, Brother Roger. It was Jesus Christ. He knew where I'd been. He knew what I was about. He knew what was inside of my heart. And he said, I love you and I came to save you. Will you receive? So you didn't know all that about your preacher, did you? Well, I don't have anything to hide because I know who Jesus Christ is and for me, I can give that to somebody that needs it. Because there might be somebody sitting here this morning or you can take this and take it to someone who you know and share with them what your walk was. Because if you're ashamed to share the walk of what Jesus Christ has done for you, isn't that the same as being ashamed of him before men? Because it ain't about me anymore. I'm a scoundrel. Jack, all the works in the world look, you know what, like dirty rags to him. We get the mindset that we have to perform. Amen? And if we don't measure up or if somebody else don't measure up, we're ready to pounce. How do we reach the world with an attitude like that? Because let me tell you something, the people out there in the world... You don't have to tell them that, you know, drinking, smoking, chewing, dipping, taking drugs, but having addictions and all these things is wrong. They already know that. And if they knew that they could get help here, they would be flooding in the doors. They already know that. They don't need us to indict them. They already know it. But what won you over? It was his love. And I've asked myself that for the last 15 years. Why did you love me so much? Why have you opened the doors you've opened? Because I'm not prepared. I don't know how to do. But he's God. He gets to do what he wants to do. Amen? Thank God he can do what he wants to do. So now let's go to our text for a few minutes. We think about an inspecting God. We think about an impersonal God. And we think about a disappointed God. And it causes us to have the wrong idea about God. And we can't convey that to the lost people of this community. How many of you like for me to tell you you did something wrong? How many of you like for me to tell you you did something wrong in front of everybody?
I see no hands, so I think we're probably in good company this morning. It's hard, isn't it? They already knew. We're going to talk about Zacchaeus. You remember him, the wee little man? The wee little man was he? Man, it's hot. Here, sweetie. Thank you. Chapter 19 and verse 1. Then Jesus entered, the, entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was a short, of short stature. He was a little fellow. He was short. Now you know what? If you say that today in the wrong circles, and if that wasn't in the Bible and Jesus didn't say it, you can get in trouble for being mean with people. Call them short. But don't we live in that society today? You're short. You're fat. You're ugly. Your clothes are wrong. Your clothes are right. Your car is wrong. Your car is right. Your house is wrong. Name it. Because that's what we do. That comes from a society that has looked at God as a disappointing God, an impersonal God. Yeah. That's what, that's what we're talking about this morning. Because everybody feels they've got to measure up before they can come to God. You don't have to measure up to nothing because you've got nothing to offer God. By the way, after you got saved, you got nothing to offer God. Only your service. Here I am, Lord. Let me do what you want to do. And by the way, you better do it through me or I'll mess it up. That's the idea of the mindset that we have to have. So, where was I? He was a short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And so he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they, who were they? The law people. The ones that's looking to see if everybody measures up. The ones playing God. They, they saw it and they all complained saying, he, go, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, 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 I give half of my goods to the poor, and, I have, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today's salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. Wow. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Why did Jesus come? Seek and to save the lost. How did he do it? He went to the cross and paid the price. How did he reach them? He loved them. He was in a sinner's house and he didn't measure up. The preacher goes to the wrong place and he's going to reach somebody the wrong kind of spirits. We'll be talking that one all over the town. But you know where the preacher was. I can't believe he'd go there. I can't believe he'd do that. Brothers and sisters, every one of us should be going there and every one of us should be doing that. You know why? Because that dirt don't rub off on us once Jesus cleanses us. We're to go and to seek and to save the lost. Amen, that's right. 
That's what we're called to do. If the Holy Ghost lives inside of you, that's the greatest work you'll ever do is you'll be following His leading, following His leading, and you'll have the Word for Him. You don't have to have every word you got. I shared mine, a part of it. But Jesus saved me. He's been growing me ever since. And man, I love Him, and He's just been awesome to me. There's been some times I've had some wrong kinds of thoughts come in my head. Anybody else do that? Come on now. Yeah, you do, because you got flesh. If you didn't, then you're all liars will have their place in the lake of fire. That's what the Bible says. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. And so what does he do? He loves us, and he gets us through it. We don't act upon it. I don't act upon the things that I used to act upon. Why? Because Jesus is there. He's the one that has delivered me. He's the one that empowers me. He's the one that shows me what he wants to do on Sunday morning, or he's the one that's showing me as the pastor of this church the direction we should be going. That's what he does. See, we don't have to look at the playbook and see what is everybody else doing because everybody else is doing whatever they're doing, and if everybody's doing the same thing, everybody ain't following Jesus. Did, it, did you understand what I just said? Because we have a work, because what's working over in Virginia Beach or over in Roanoke is not the same place as Huddleston. It's a different place. It's got different people. And they have the same needs, by the way. These same needs have been around for man since the beginning. Okay? Oh, see. And they said he stays with the sinners. And then Zacchaeus stood and said, Lord, Lord, I give I half my goods fourfold. I didn't read that. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. I wanted to read that to you again. You see, Jesus didn't show up. I want you to look at what he said. I don't remember the verse it was when he told him, Make haste and come down. If you have NIV, it says immediately. It's like saying, Zacchaeus, get down here now. But that's not what he was saying. See, our mindsets helps us to hear the word of God wrong. If we think he's that disappointed God, that's how we read scripture and apply it. If we think he's the drill sergeant God, that's how we read scripture. He didn't say get over here and get down here now. That word that he used, if you look it up in the Greek, he was saying, hurry, hurry, I need to stay with you today. Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down. I need to stay with you today. Doesn't that have a whole different tone to it? Rather than he was a, because let me tell you something about Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. The Romans would tell the tax people, they would say this, I want $10 a person from all of your district. And then guys like Zacchaeus would go out and say, the taxes this year, Brother Ben, is going to be $15. So they would give to 10 to, the, to, to Rome. They kept five for themselves. Zacchaeus was probably one of these guys that was rich. They knew it. But he was saying, well, the taxes this year is 50 bucks. He sent 10 to Rome, and he kept 40 He was getting rich off of people. And if they didn't pay the taxes, he had the authority to throw them in prison. Does that sound like anybody we know with three letters in our government? Starts with an I and ends with an S. Got an R in the middle. I mean, we just, you, you want to tell them off. When they call you and say, this is what we know. But that's not what Jesus did at all. He didn't come and hold Zacchaeus by the ankle over hell and said, give back all the money. 
you give it back or I'm going to drop you now. That wasn't who he was. He came in and sat down with him. He paid him great honor by going into his house and the religious people couldn't understand it. You know, when you get to the place that you can't understand what God is doing, when you get to the place that you don't see love flowing out for mankind and the sinners of this world, when you get to the place that you don't, don't want to see that, you don't want your church going to that place, you don't want your people going to that place, you don't want to go to that place. When you get to the place that we see these kinds of things, we are dangerous in a dangerous place. Because God says, I cannot use you now. You know, we talked several months ago about the rewards that God has. He is paying attention. He is keeping notes on us, but he's not inspecting God. He's doing that to reward us. And he's looking for you and me to be his mouthpiece. He's looking for you and me to be the one that's going to give that love to him. I may not have all the answers, but at least I can love you. That's what he's about. He is love. Is he can you sin and get by with it? No. I'm not saying that. He will deal with us. He is a loving God who wants us to be back in right relationship, but make no mistake about it, when that time in history comes or in the future comes, he will be the judge. And his judgment will be perfect. And he's going to say, Brother Gary, you had the book. Pastor Ken preached on it. Pastor Murphy preached on it. And you know how to read. And on August the 30th, you know, 2015, I, I told you to read this scripture. And you did. And then I told you I wanted you to understand it. I wanted you to take it in. And you said, no, I don't agree with that. Why? Because somebody told you that it wasn't like that. Because they put God in this box. And so that's how God will deal with us. Zacchaeus, what happened? Jesus went in and had a meal with him. He gave him some love, and Zacchaeus said, You know what? You love me. And I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, I'm giving back fourfold. That was conviction. Conviction on his heart, not an indictment. You see, when you do an indictment as a police officer, you, you make it together evidence. You go before the grand jury so an indictment can come down. They did this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, and we got a little bit of evidence to prove it. We need to have court. That's an indictment. That's not what Jesus did. Neither should we. We need to tell you there's a guy that loves you, and his name is Jesus Christ. He changed my life. This is what he did for me. This is what he did for me. And I'm still in the works. Anybody thinks they done made it, you're in a dangerous, dangerous place. You ain't finished yet if you're breathing. Jesus went to this man's house and there was a, something that happened. The religious people got to see what real truth looked like. Did you hear what I said? Religious people got to see what real truth looked like. by their old truth with all the laws and all the stuff that they came up with on their own was how they measured men. And according to them, Zacchaeus shouldn't have been saved. He didn't deserve the blood of Jesus. He didn't deserve to know who God was. He deserved to be killed because he was a thief. You know any thieves among you? 
You know any liars among you? What do they deserve? No, they deserve Jesus just like you did. What happened with Zacchaeus was a changed life. What happened with Ken Lester was a changed life. I don't know all your stories. Most of us are afraid to give our stories because we're afraid of how people will look at us. It is what it is. And maybe my story will help somebody else to realize Jesus can love them too. He ain't inspecting. He ought, you know, when he got there to where Zacchaeus was, did he have to ask him, have you been cheating the people? No, he already knew. When he got to Jericho, did he know he was in the tree or did he have to see? He knew. Maybe Zacchaeus was seeking God. And Jesus knew and gave him the way to get to where God was. Only through Christ. Jesus didn't have to give him a big scolding. He didn't have to tell him to say the Lord's Prayer 50 times so that he could be saved. No, that's works. That's works. Coming to the altar, we open that up so you can come and pray. Can I tell you what? You can receive Jesus anywhere. You can receive him anywhere. He'll meet you wherever you are. And you might be inside of that bar with a needle sticking out of your arm at the lowest point in your life, and Jesus Christ will come into that. Thank God he's not like Christians sometimes. He'll come into that bar, and he'll get down on that old grimy floor with you, and he'll get you through it. You understand what I'm talking about, brothers and sisters? There's a whole community of people. There's probably 50 cars going by this church since I've been preaching. All they know, that's a church. They don't know what goes on here. They got no desire to come here. It's not because they don't want to follow God. It just doesn't mean anything to them. So how do we let them know that it should mean something to them? We love them. And we don't just do it once or twice and say, well, it didn't take, so I'm moving on. I did my work. No, you did a dutiful job, checked off the list, and that's that. No, you continue to be their neighbor. And you continue to love them. And maybe something happens in their life that's going to be devastating. God sometimes uses, anybody know what I'm talking about? He will use some devastation in your life to say, come over here. You've wandered away, and I need you to come back. I've been calling to you that didn't listen, so I've allowed this devastation to come. And that happens to the people in our communities, and that's when we can be the ones that will go and show them the love of Christ. And they may say, how is it you have these answers? How is it that you have this hope? How is it that you have these things? And they just open the door up for you to tell them about Jesus Christ. And you don't have to tell them, well, you know, when you get home after you got saved, go pour out all the liquor and the beer and the hard liquor, all this stuff, you don't have to tell them that because it's not a dutiful re response now. It's love. We love our Lord. I don't want my Lord to have a black eye. That means I don't act nasty in the store when the line is too long. That means I don't act nasty when somebody forgets and they don't give me the right kind of change back because they're 16 and stupid. Do you hear what I just said? 
That's the kind of works that come out. And young people, I didn't aim that at you. I aimed it at people that use that kind of verbiage. Those are not Christians. Those are not people that have Jesus calling the shots in their lives. Because that's not what Jesus Christ does. Jesus Christ comes up and he loves them through it and says, let me show you how, because maybe they don't know how. But to hurt them and to knock them down and to kill them, and it doesn't matter what age you are, that can happen. Can I tell you, that's not how Jesus rolls. He loves you, Brother Eddie. He knows every bar you was in in Vietnam. I'm not saying anything he ain't done shared. He's done shared this several Wednesday nights. He knows every place that you've been, but he still loves you, don't he? How do you know that? Because he saved you, and your life has been changed, just like Zacchaeus. Your life is different. Your family's life is different. You see, we worry about the politicians, who's going to get this and who get that. Those are people that worry about money. Because that's the one, that's the platform right there. We don't care about whether we're doing abortion or not. You know, if we did, we'd be out talking to people about it. We'd be making friends with them. Oh, we can't be seen with them. No, make friends with them so they can learn who Jesus is. Maybe their minds and hearts will change. Do we still believe in the power of the word of the gospel? Do we still believe in the power of the Holy Ghost? Is it only at a quarter or twelve on Sunday afternoon when the music is right and we feel emotional? Or is it the work that he does whenever our life gets changed out on the street when somebody who we think ain't worthy? You see what I'm talking about? That's what Jesus does. He loves us. And we're going to take off on this journey, and I hope you'll ride with me. If not, that's cool. But I believe God's given us some truth to share. He's given us some truth that we need to put inside our hearts. Because guess what? He ain't done with you yet. Love them. Because you know what? He loved you first. Brother Danny, you got a song in your heart, sir? Well, we got to go eat beans now, so it's time to quit. Preaching is over. I just killed the mood, didn't I? You know what? You can't do that with God. I can't kill the mood with God. If I'm that powerful, then God ain't much. Am I right? I don't need to set the table for him. But this morning I'm going to ask you, you're going to take this journey with us. And I'm going to ask you, if you're not going to take this journey with where God wants to take us and what he wants to do of learning about who he really is and the love that he has, give it time. If you talk to somebody else about it three times, you should have talked to God about it 300 times because he is the authority. And I want to invite you to join and embark with us to reach our community. For five years you've heard me talk about reaching the lost. That's what we need to do. I've heard many of you talk about we don't want to get any big. It gets, it gets impersonal. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. I'm sorry. And I pray that you can grow through it. But there's a lost and hurting world out here that don't know him. And can I tell you what? Heaven is a very real place. There's not going to be any more pain and sorrow. There's not going to be any more of these bad things happening. 
we want to be in the presence of God for eternity. And can I also tell you, there's a place called hell, and it is very real. Jesus, when he said, many will come to me in that day and give their list. You know, they'll pull out their little pocket calendar that rolls halfway down the aisle for all the work that they did. And he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. That's people who are serving a God that they need to impress. He said, don't let your left hand know what your right is doing. Why? Because we've heard the wrong kind of things about God. And when we get that in our minds, we start interpreting the Bible. We tweak it a little bit here and there. That's why sometimes stuff just doesn't add up to us. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. There's been some things you just like, I'm not sure I get that, but they said it, so it's cool. That's not good enough anymore. No, we got a Holy Spirit who said that he would teach us all. Jesus said he's going to teach you all things. So that's how we can grow. And that's how we can share that love that we received and didn't deserve with the guy next door. Thank you for what you've been doing with the guy next door. Keep on. Because God knows what he's doing. His timing is perfect. You keep on. Don't let his appearance, don't let what is past it, don't let any of that get in the way. I get so tired of hearing Christians say, well, you don't know who that guy was. No, I don't care who that guy was. I know who Jesus is and he can change them. Because if he couldn't, he'd have never called me. Paul said he was the chiefest of sinners. I believe I stepped into his place. So I want you to stand to your feet this morning, if you can. And if you can't, you can sit. Prayers will go up just as fine sitting. They'll, come, they'll go just as good from the back row as they will kneeling at the altar. But I want you to talk to God this morning. First off, if you don't know who He is, there's called condemnation. You see, He brings conviction into our lives, but those who don't know Christ are already condemned. If you don't know Him, start this walk with Him and start it right in knowing the love that He has. You have a testimony that He's waiting to use. He wants you to be able to walk with Him on this journey. This journey of saying, yeah, Jesus reached this guy and I got to watch. Not me and Jesus are walking together and co-pilot. No, our hearts become one with His. Because if it's not one with His, we can only act for so long and then we mess up. But if he has our hearts and our hearts are yoked with him, we'll talk about that probably next week. Then something wonderful can happen. We get to be a part of it, LT. Son, you've got a, you've got a testimony. And you, you know how much God loves you. He went to the cross for you. And he's there with you every single day. The car that could have T-boned you on the way to church this morning, God might have prevented that, but you didn't get to see it. So come and pray this morning. Maybe you want, maybe there's a neighbor in your neighborhood or a family member you've been trying to reach. Pray with them this morning. Fill out the prayer request and put it on so we can pray tonight so that this world can know who Christ is. That's how this stuff turns around. It's one step at a time, one soul at a time. See, I got to get from here to there. I got to take steps. Every step could be a soul that's getting saved. It's not so we can say, oh, we filled our church up, look at us. No, we're not about that. We're about reaching the lost.
I'm not here to impress nobody. State office, headquarters in Cleveland, Tennessee. I'm here to reach souls for Jesus. I told them that the day I sat down for my license. I don't worry about that stuff. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm looking for souls. And you could have a church full of people and all of them be lost. What good is that? Well, let's have a church full of people that have the love of Christ in them that want to go reach the guy next door that are excited about souls getting saved. And then we change the community. When the community changes, it changes the county. And then you got a whole different set of boats happening. If you want to work that in, I, I'm not big on that. It's about a heart change. So come and pray this morning, if you will. Right where you're at, or you can welcome to come forward. Ask God to help you. Ask Him to help you to have that same kind of love. Have His heart. Ask Him to help you. You can't do it without Him, by the way. Maybe somebody's backslid and fallen away from the Lord, and you know Him. Don't wait for somebody else to go reach them. Don't wait for somebody else to go talk to them. You talk to them and take them truth. Because the truth will set you free. That's in the Bible. So it's true. Oh, hallelujah.